Greetings in the matter of the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is with a great privilege for myself and my family to be here today in this beautiful church. It's magnificent. Thank you all for your invitation. I believe strongly in God and in the humanity of God to man. I believe strongly in the love of God for man. And that's why I believe strongly that we are called as Christians to extend a helping hand to those who need help, to love those who need love, to be a voice for the voiceless, and to be a standing stool for those who need to to get up. And that's why I believe as Christians, we need to get more involved in politics, to be at the centerpiece where decisions are being made, to make decisions that will influence things that will be in our favor, that will strongly put the Bible first, as I believe that Christianity is the bedrock of this society. And I believe that as a result, that your vote matters in this election. Every vote you put, you obviously need to understand that every time you don't vote, you risk someone else who will not put your principles first, who will not value your Christian faith first to make decisions on your behalf. So I urge you all to vote on May 7th to vote and make a vote and make your voice heard on that day. Thank you. So you've really helpfully introduced something of who you are and the values that drive you. Um, Being in political life, though, must be a nightmare because you are faced with people of differing opinions at every turn. So tell us just a little bit more about your sense of call to get involved politically. When did that start? How has that developed? And then maybe why Ipswich, apart from the fact that it's the best town in the country? Of course. Um, I got um, interested in politics and public life when I was in university. Um, basically, it was um, an awareness course I went on for autistic children. And when I volunteered my services to be a befriender to help triplets, two of whom were autistic, I um, realized at that point in time their needs that they require in order to integrate fully into society. And I realized there was a lot of injustice in society between those who are better off and those who are less well off. Because I'm from an underprivileged background, I understand how it feels to be excluded from the society. So I feel that by being in politics, I can make a difference. Just like Moses made a difference. I, I don't feel comfortable whenever someone is... um taking for granted at work or taking for granted in society. And I feel that everyone, regardless of where they come from, needs to have their voice heard. And I feel the politics will give me the avenue to ensure that people from all backgrounds can have their voice heard. And I feel the sense of calling to help those who need help and to be a voice to the voiceless. I feel the need to stand up for the right things. And I feel the need because I believe there's a saying that every mess a person goes to can be turned into a message and every pain a person goes through, God can make it a gain. So I feel my life experiences can help motivate other people that they can be whatever they want to be in life, regardless of where they're coming from. And that's the reason why I got into politics. Thank you. And uh, you and all of us will know that a huge issue around people's stability, which includes their economic as well as their social stability, is around the complexity or the breakdown in people's relationships uh, across the world over. We we can see sociologically that relationships are strongest when there is a, a family structure that surrounds those relationships. How might we see a liberal democrat government strengthening the role of family? And what is the government's role in that anyway? 
Okay. I strongly believe as one of my core values, I believe strongly in family and I believe in the healthy work balance of a family. And one of the things that the Liberal Democrats have done in government, we've done many things, we've made flexible work um, for parents. So basically parents can request for flexible work to enable them to spend more time with their family. We have also introduced early years funding for all three to four-year-olds to enable the mother as well to get out of the house and progress her career, as well as the father. We um, in, um, we have implemented um, shared parental leave so the father can spend more time with his new child. And we obviously want to progress on these things. We want to further the early years education to, from two-year-olds and eventually from nine-month babies. Again, to encourage the mother to go into work and also give the child a fair start in life, regardless of their background, to relieve the pressure of finances on the family and as well to put pockets, put money, more money in their pockets to enable them to go on a family holiday. So therefore, trying again to integrate the family for them to spend more time together. So we are try, we are ingrained and heartily helping the family to try and relieve the pressure, especially financial pressure, because I know what the, um, what childcare can do to a family. And I know the importance of early education for a child and the importance of the family sticking together because I believe the family is the bedrock of the society. It is what makes up a person's confidence and without the family, I think the person to be fair can't go anywhere far. So I think it's important for us to place the family first before the society. And part of that breakdown affects people sociologically and economically in terms of housing. Uh, we find it incredibly difficult sometimes locally to find housing for people that need it. We find it incredibly difficult sometimes to find um, mental health services for people that, that need it. H- how might we see that change and develop under a Liberal Democrat government? It's funny that you say that because we're the only um, party that's actually wanting to put mental health services on the same footing as physical health because for too long I have many people who have mental health um, issues and because of the fact that there's no support for them, they feel kind of secluded and kind of alone and they feel kind of embarrassed to um, d- disclose what they're going through because they feel there's something they'll be termed as someone who is not serious or someone who's crazy. So we as a party are going to be investing a lot of resources into mental health issues so that people who are hiding can come out in the open and disclose their issues in confidence with experts in the field. We're also going to be investing £8 billion in real terms by 2020 in the um, NHS and we will obviously want to keep the NHS free at the point of access. It will always be free because we believe the NHS is our is our um, great institute where we should keep it free for everyone to use and I believe that mental health as well as respite care because I know of carers um, who are looking after people with autism for instance and I spoke to this lady and she felt that she was not getting support from the society and so one of the things we're going to be doing is trying to invest more into mental health services, more into social care, more into respite care, as well as physical health. M- moving on then from uh, uh, homelessness to talk about um, the sanctity of life. One of the things that a society is measured by, and this quote is attributed to all kinds of people, so I won't try and attribute it anywhere, but the kind of the, 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 the maturity of a society is judged by its care for those most vulnerable. So I'm thinking about people at the beginning of their life and people at the end of their lives. What, what policies might we see and what changes might we see to support and protect people, uh, the youngest, even in the womb, and those coming to the end of their lives? Thank you for that question. Um, apart, um, 
in, in line with the NHS, um, the eight billion pounds, we're going to be investing more um, money to, into the frontline services. When I recently gave birth to my child, and one of the things I noticed was the um, um, unmet number of midwives in the hospital. When I wanted help, I needed help at a point in time. I didn't have anyone there to be there for me. They, they were doing an incredible job, but there was a lot of strain on them. And I feel a lot of new mothers out there who don't feel they're getting the support they needed, need, especially in the hospital. And that's kind of the delicate time and the period, especially for a new mother who has not had the experience before. And I think more needs to be done to ensure that new mothers, especially from the womb as well, get the encouragement from midwives, from health visitors to be there for them even before the baby is born. And I think one of the things we're doing as a government is that we're going to extend the, um, parental leave um, for fathers so fathers can have an extra month uh, it's kind of like a have it or lose it month where they can spend an extra month with their child when the baby is born we also um, in the last government implemented um, flexible working and we're going to be bidding on that and we're going to help parents especially carers we're going to be giving them a 250 pounds career bonus to enable people who are looking after those who are who need care to have um, a time off as well and we we believe strongly in respite care we believe strongly in people with disabilities and helping those who need it the most we're going to be making sure that those people who are looking after people in the elderly homes get the proper care they need to look after them because it's quite appalling people who are looking after the elderly people in the, um, in the care homes don't get the support they need they have awful pay they're not treated fairly by their employers you get most of them i heard about a friend who basically worked there and he tells me that he does not get paid extra for overtime he does not get paid extra for working on bank holidays or any public holidays and he does not get paid fairly and they literally don't get looked after by their employers. So one of the things you'll be pressing on is to end zero hour contracts and to make sure that carers who look after our parents and our grandparents are properly looked after. I think that's an honor to look after someone who is above us and we need to invest in resources into elderly care, especially because this is an aging population. We need to understand that more resources need to be diverted into this area. So I think that's really important. And would you support the assisted dying bill? I personally, based on my Christian faith, I can't speak for everyone else, but based on my Christian faith, I do not support it. I think it's likened to murder. And whilst um, people may have their reasons as to why it should be supported, that's fair enough. What I don't want to see is this bill being abused or getting people voluntarily um, having to... um, um, by um, buy into it because what I'm afraid of is this bill being abused into getting um, other um, vulnerable people into having to do it. And I don't want to see practitioners and other doctors who ha- share a similar fate to have to, to have to do it. So I want to make sure, even if the bill gets passed, I don't want, I want to make sure that practitioners who share a similar conviction don't have to do it. I think that's fair and I personally don't believe it. That's my view on it. Can I ask you then about freedom of speech? You've talked quite openly and with strong conviction about your Christian faith. In my job, I'm also encouraged to talk about my faith, but in most people's jobs, they're discouraged, even barred sometimes from talking about their faith. Could you um, give us some reassurances about how the Liberal Democrats will guarantee and promote religious freedom and perhaps reflect personally on what your journey is like, speaking so strongly on issues that I would imagine many in your own party would disagree with you about? Yes, I agree with you with that. And one of the things we're doing as a party, we're going to implement a new freedoms um, speech, um, 
acts which will protect citizens and give them defend their freedom of speech. So basically, let's say a Christian would like to go to the marketplace to go and evangelize. I think it should be fair for a, a Christian to be able to do that without fear of being persecuted by the authorities. Obviously, there are instances um, where we have the extremists who try to um, abuse that system, but I think generally we should have the right to go to the market square and speak to other Christians about the love of God, about the love of Christ. I think that's one of the benefits we have as a country, and I think the party, I understand, will actually work hard to make sure there's no discrimination against religious, religious faith and ensure that we can live out our faith in our workplace, in our environment, because our faith, I believe, makes up who we are. And most people take their faith away from them and you don't have them anymore. So I think this should be implemented and that's what we're doing as a party in the next government. Thinking um, around the world, it's enshrined in law now that 7% of GDP uh, 0.7% rather of GDP is to go to international aid. What voice might the Christian charities working around the world have into how that money is spent and, and the sort of the guarantees of it being used wisely and efficiently? Thank you. Um, I think one of the things I notice about um, is it is biblical to give generously to the poor. It is one of the things we have to do as Christians. But the issue comes when the money is being misused. So one of the things I want to ensure in the next government is to ensure that there's an um, independent review um, committee that can scrutinize and there'll be like a report mechanism to scrutinize every point as to where the money is going to and to, to see the outcomes from that spending to make sure that it's actually going to where it said it's going to be going to. And obviously um, we need to understand that whilst we're given to people we need to understand we need, we need to go beyond giving them fish to teaching them how to fish so they can fend for themselves in times of crisis so we go about trying to build infrastructure like schools hospitals water supplies and teaching training people um in, in poor countries to take up on these roles so that whenever there's a crisis they can fend and treat um, train up their children their land and thereby independently we can in the long run try and export and work with them in the future as more developed countries Thinking then right back to home, to Ipswich, and the last uh, few minutes that we have sharing in this way, the state talks a lot about the role that churches play locally in providing services to a locality. Um, the churches in Ipswich have a strong network of providing all kinds of social care in Ipswich. What impresses you about what the churches are doing in the town, and how might we see them better supported uh, in the next parliament? I think churches are doing a, a tremendous job, and I think without the churches, that many, most of the things that that are going on will not be treated. I think churches are doing a really lovely job. I think the problem comes when the government is refusing to um, understand the role the church is actually playing more in the society. And I think moving forward, one of the ways we can move forward as an organization is to ensure that churches have more of a voice in this land. We need to understand that whether we like it or not, this Christianity is the bedrock of the society, and we need to. Um, value churches and make sure that they have their voice heard. They're doing so many beautiful things. They, they feed the poor, they go to prisons, they help the, those who are needy. So we need to work more with churches as well as other communities and organizations to ensure that we work as one to calibrate our resources and get more done. And are there some specific things that excite you about what's going on in Ipswich in that regard? 
Um, I think at the moment I heard about the food bank that's been going on in the churches, and I think that's a tremendous job. I think more needs to be done to, for, for support from the government to ensure that churches have the financial means to actually help people who are in need, and it should not be just left to churches to actually help people in need. There should be more support financially from the government, and I think from other organizations, and I think that more can be done if we just work together as a whole. Thinking more generally about the town, um, it's a fantastic place to live. Um, how might we make it even better over the next four years? And, and particularly, what would your role be in making this town even, even better than it is at the moment? What key things would you be looking for in the coming years? Thank you. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is that whilst it's such a beautiful town, we could even become a better town. I think one of the things I've noticed is that for far too long, we, we've been kind of made dormant to the rest of the UK, so we've not been known to the UK. So one of the things I would press for is to making it such a more prosperous town putting more variety in shops, trying to attract investors from outside, making it more attractive to tourists as well as those from within as well. So trying to build more leisure centers, more attractive restaurants and retailers as well in the shop. One of the another, um, appalling things that are currently going on is transportation. I know that's a big um, chaos in, in, in today's town, and I want to ensure that in four years' time that this stops, there'll be more investment in the East Suffolk rail lines to make sure that there's increased frequencies from um, it was to other major towns. There will be more reliability, earlier train times as well as later train times to try and encourage people to take public transportation to work and trying to relieve pressure off the roads. Also, there will be schemes to encourage people to walk and cycle to work, especially for distances that are less than five kilometers, um, through um, incentives to try to we try and reward people for walking to work and for taking cycling to work, which is healthy as well. So we're trying to um, improve incentives for that. We'll also try to um, improve the educational system because I know at the moment that the record of schools in Ipswich is not very good, and I will push for education to be rated as outstanding by Ofsted because that is one of my major desires is education. I think that education, without education, we get no future. I think education is really key and that determines our generation. I don't think that our children should have to pay for the mistakes of today and I think that by investing in education, which um, I believe as a party we are planning to invest £2.5 billion extra into education, that's kind of like the forefront of our manifesto and I think that's really key to give every child, regardless of their background, a first start in life. I think that's really key. So I will push for education transportation, getting more people into work, getting young people. We are planning to do a scheme whereby we put two-thirds of the bus passes for young people to go to school and to work as well. So those are the three key things, transportation, the economy, education. Well, thank you ever so much. We're really grateful for you spending the time to come with us today. We'd love to pray with you. Wonder, perhaps, Amos, would you, would you come and join Chica that we might pray together uh, for you both and the church that you're a part of? the ministries that you share. I'm grateful for any person that says, I want to get involved in public life. Uh, and come, 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 come. Little sleeping baby. So the effort to get out in the morning with an eight-week-old baby is um, quite something. So, Father, we're asking your blessing on Chica and Amos and their family. We thank you for their willingness to stand up and be a Christian voice. And so we pray that every good thing, every noble thing, every honorable thing, all that's right and true would be fanned into flame in their lives, in their family, in their church, 
in the calling that you've placed upon them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you both so very, very much. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you.